0: All right. So, what is your idea? Take your album Lonely Land and just very simply talk about each song. Just boom, 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 boom. Go through each one. You, you, you just yeah. Uh, give Let's some do backs. it.
1: You're listening to the Lone Star Play Podcast with your host Patrick Scott Armstrong.
0: This is part two of our track by track discussion of Lonely Land with Bob Schneider. We discuss tracks eight through fourteen. For part one, check the link in the description. Let's begin. Track eight, Madeline. Look, let's go to this next one, uh, which coincidentally on this wiki page is the only one that has your name and someone else's name with it. I'm assuming that's co songwriting, so I'm curious to hear the story on this, which is track number eight, Madeline. Or is it Madeline or Madeline? It's Madeline, Madeline, or Madeline, Madeline. And it says Schneider and David Boyle. Oh, really? That's what it has in parentheses.
1: That could, yeah, who knows? Uh, I don't know why he's on the track as a co-writer, but (laughs) it could have been a deal. He's listening right now like, what the, Bob, you should know why. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it could have been a deal where he was in the room when I wrote it. Like there is some of that, like when you're writing something and somebody's there in the room with you while you're writing it, you got to give them a co-write. Really? Yeah. If the drummer's in there playing drums while you're writing a song, he gets a co-write. That happened a lot in Ugly Americans and Scabs. Wow. That's why you want to write the that. song on your own. You don't want to bring sure. it into practice and write it. That's or you, interesting. Don't wanna, you don't want to, you don't want to jam in practice and then write the song and then all of a sudden it's like a five-way split again i've never made money on records that way so it's kind of a non-issue sure you know it's not like i've ever made money on madeline i never got a sync for it so um yeah so i'm sure that's probably what happened like he i'm he didn't write the lyrics he maybe he was there helping write some of those chord progressions or something i don't know but the chord progression is very it's the same thing throughout the whole song so i doubt he even wrote that i think he was just there i think he was there jamming when i maybe he was jamming with with me when i I wrote it
0: he's just like bobbing his head to it he's like he's like co-writer um it's actually well not with the texas edition additional tracks but aside from that just the original release it is the longest song it's a
1: long song yeah it's a long song. there's a long intro there's a long extended solo there's a long outro probably the song that i played the least on the record i i kind of stopped playing it after a few years after the record came out and then really never played it much after that it's probably the least played song on the whole record in terms of uh, i have
0: a friend that named They named their daughter after this song.
1: Oh, wow. I have had a few people request it. Like if I do a private show, you know, I'm always like, give me a list of the songs you want to hear. So I make sure that I play the songs you want to hear, you know, because you're paying me a lot of money to play. Yeah. And I I have had that requested a couple of times, Madeline. And I'm like, hey, learn this song. They're like, oh, no problem, because it's four chords that repeat the entire time. (laughs) They never change. And you're
0: like, and let's make it the longest song. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. Um, I mean, I I love the way
1: this song sounds. Like, it really kind of showcases David Boyle, the keyboard player. Like, he really did a lot of cool things on that track, maybe because he was a co-writer. Maybe that's how he got
0: the co-writer, yeah. (laughs)
1: I don't think that's the reason he got the co-writing thing but it might be why he put so much effort into it I don't know but he It is Wikipedia. Definitely...
0: He could have gone in and like edited it been like I'll put my name on this. I don't know
1: how that works. Uh, I don't know either. I've never I, edited I, wiki. I don't think I've ever paid him a dime for I don't think I've ever gotten paid a dime for that song so
0: well there you go fair enough then he shouldn't be asking for for a dime.
1: Um
0: is i don't know i don't want to move on to the next one without you giving your blessing here
1: no no we we can move on for sure ah uh, <laughs> tokyo track number 9 ah uh, all right i remember writing this song because i I remember exactly where I was. I had, I used to drive this 71 VW Bug, and the gas gauge was broken on it. So I never knew how much gas I had. And I was always pretty poor back then. And so I'd only put like a dollar or two of gas in it and then try to drive it as far as I could. And I was always running out of gas, like always. And I, I don't know if I was out of gas or whatever, but I was, for some reason, I had to take a bus in Austin in the middle of summer. And I think it was because I ran out of gas and now I'm like at this bus stop. And, you know, if you've ever taken a bus in Austin, it sucks. It's like, it's where oh, people yeah. have no other option. Yeah, Like you just don't want to take a bus. It's the public yes. transportation in Austin is the worst. I agree. So I'm sitting at this bus stop, it's in the middle of summer, so it's a hundred degrees. I just was feeling so shitty. And I had this notebook and I just started writing the words for Tokyo. I like just wrote them all out as fast as I could write them out in this notebook. And then when I got home, picked up a guitar and just recorded the song. Like it was, it just came out in this. I was just feeling. I can still remember the feel, you know, who knows how, how I was actually feeling, but I just remember, you know, like that feeling of like defeat, like when you, did you play sports when you were a kid?
0: Yeah. I played hockey.
1: Yeah. You played hockey. That feeling when you fucking gave it your all, but you fucking got beat and you're fucking sore and you're dirty and you're stinky and sweaty. And it was all for nothing. Like all of that work is for nothing. You're just a miserable, terrible fucking piece of shit failure, dude. That's how I was feeling when I wrote that song.
0: Let me just say I was really good at hockey, though. uh, But yes, I know the feeling. I guess after a loss, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's where that song comes from. So uh,
0: wow. And and written on the bus.
1: Did it ever change? Like what you that first initial. I mean it might have been down on the paper. I don't think so. A lots of times when you write a song, like when it just comes out in one shot like that, you don't ever change anything. And and the and the lyrics are like super quirky. It's not like I mean, there's tons of quirky shit on there. Sure. I mean, somewhere I've got the original lyrics for it. And that's where you really find out, oh, how much of this came out uninterrupted and how much of it got re- written and then crossed out, crossed out. It kinda, it's kind of, it's kind of weird because I went to a computer to write lyrics at least 10 years ago, maybe longer. And so now I don't have those notebooks before that. I I, I have, you know, this many notebooks are just filled with lyrics. So dude. you can see where I was writing it. And then like like a,
0: a notebook, Bob of like your old stuff, you know, like put together of old dude, people would eat
1: that shit. Up, oh my well, God, that would be yeah. Cool. I could probably sell about forty-eight of those. <laughs> I'm sure there's like forty-eight sales waiting to happen. On book. You, no way, man. Are you maybe kidding 49 me? Forty-nine, if you That's, maybe 40, yeah. 49 if somebody's buying it for their mom. <laughs> <laughs> but probably not because their mom's one hundred percent dead, unless she's hundred and five, <laughs> unless unless she broke the fucking limit to how old you can live as a human being for sure the mom's dead oh so man. maybe they're great grand maybe their great granddaughter oh man anyways yeah so that's 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 tokyo <laughs> that's
0: Tokyo. Yeah, i love it wow uh okay next song number 10 under my skin
1: Under My Skin just comes out of this, again, it's that it's that same chord. And I picked up a guitar and I just started. I just started playing that and I was like, oh, that's definitely something. So it's one of those things where I like played it and played it and played it. And then finally I like grabbed my phone, called my answering machine, played that into the answering machine. So I wouldn't forget it. Wow, that's cool. And then when I got home, I just wrote the lyrics or I might've even, at that point I was writing so many lyrics all the time. I was just filling up notebooks with lyrics back then. Uh, So I always had a ton of lyrics kind of ready to go. Sure. And And that might've been some lyrics I already had, or I might've written some for that riff. But um, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Wow. Love that. It was, it was definitely yeah. one of those where I've had that where I'll go into a guitar place or a music store and I'll pick up an instrument and I'll start playing. And then all of a sudden I'm writing something. Usually I buy the instrument. Like I have oh wow. It's f- fifteen different weird, fucked up, shitty stringed instruments that I picked up and started playing. And I was like, oh, this is a song. Maybe there's more song." And I think of like the guitar is like, oh, there's songs in this guitar. I got to grab it. Wow. Get all get all the songs out of it so that wow. somebody else doesn't come in and grab all these songs that are in this
0: Wow, guitar. dude. What a great concept. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. I could see that as like an animated film. The songs are trapped inside there and you're getting that. That's interesting. Wow, that's a... I'm going to be thinking about that. Uh I don't know if people listening to this too are going to be thinking about that. That's really cool. Uh all right, Let, let's uh let's see number 11. So that was under my skin. This is track number 11. Blue skies for everyone.
1: Well, I don't know. Again, I don't really have a story for Blue Skies for everyone. It is one of those weird songs that I have a few songs where I really truly don't know how I came up with. There's a song called Blood that I've got. I'm like, how did I write that song? It's got all these weird chords. I don't know how to play. You know, it's not like I don't know shit about guitar, dude. I know how to play A, B... I don't even know how to play B. I know how to play an A chord, a D chord, a G chord, an E chord, A minor. I know the rudimentary chords. And, you know, fucking Blue Skies for Everyone's got this, you know, it's got this.
0: Like an E to C sort of thing going
1: it's E to C to B7th, B yeah. but it's really this, the, Yeah. And now well. I was listening to, I will say this, my favorite songwriter maybe ever, my favorite recording artist of all time is Tom Waits. And in the mid eighties, my, for sure in the mid eighties, that's all I was listening to was Tom Waits. The, this his three albums: Sorefish, Trombones, Rain Dogs, and Frank's Wild Years. I listened to those. I knew every word of every song on on those three records. And so I have wanted to write a bunch of songs. I've written a lot of songs that kind of borrow from that. And and this song definitely has a Tom Waits vibe to it. Now, of course, I never try to sing like Tom Waits because that would be dumb. <laughs> Because then people be like, oh, that's just Tom Waits. So I don't sure. sing like him, but I definitely borrow the vibe. And that one for sure borrows from his vibe, from the Tom Waits vibe. So that was me like, oh, this is me writing kind of a Tom Waits song. Yeah, just inspired And I like vibe. how, yeah, I like how, I do like how the song is about somebody having... A hard time like a really hard time and then but at the end of it they're like but hey even though it's everything's terrible <laughs> even though everything's terrible it might not always be terrible and 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 uh and I'm I'm hoping that it won't be terrible for you for too much longer and that there will be blue skies. Yeah. In fact there are going to be blue skies not just for you but for everybody.
0: Yeah. There's always blue
1: skies up ahead no matter what's going on. So I like that sort of innocent hopefulness. There's a really uh, innocent sweet beauty. The other thing I was doing back then during that time was I, I I read all the Kurt Vonnegut books. And I feel like Kurt Vonnegut books have that sort of hopeful innocence they' they're also very pessimistic. They're also like, well, we're all doomed. but he always has these people that are hoping for the best. And he's also he very funny and hope he's hopeful and funny and also at the same time. kind of like, well, it's probably gonna not end well. But you never know. you never know anyways i don't know i don't know how what any of that has to do with it but i do like the i do like the tie to tom waits for sure and then also this the sentiment of that song is really nice yeah no that's great man i
0: listen i love that song to be honest with you i love them all um it's, a, it's a, one of few albums that I can say, you know, that every song is great. It just one of those things you just let play through. And I'm a recent fan of the Lonely Land album because I just listened to a lot of your newer stuff off the bat until everyone was like, no, no, you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to listen to Lonely Land, Lonely Land, Lonely Land. And yeah, once you do, it's like once you go black, you never go back. It's like once you go lonely, you never
1: go do- not lonely. I don't know. I do think, I do think, like, if you just listen to Lonely Land itself as a thing, there is something very special about oh, yeah. it. So, the other thing about Lonely Land is so we get done recording the record. And in those, and I didn't have a record, I wasn't signed to a record company. I didn't do it under the supervision of a record company. And the whole idea was like, up until that point, I, done some records with record companies with Ugly Americans. This is the first time I'd ever done anything under my name. At first it was going to be Lonely Land, and then at some point I decided I'm not going to call it Lonely Land. It was going to be like Wilco. You know, like Wilco calls itself Wilco, even though it's it's pretty much Jeff Tweedy, but is a band. I was like, I don't want people getting confused and thinking that lone. I don't want the people in the band getting confused that this is a band. Sure. That's interesting. Um, I just want everybody to know this is me. This is my vision. I'll call the record Lonely Land, but it's going to be a Bob Schneider record. Sure. In hindsight, I should have called it Lonely Land. <laughs> it should have been a band. But here's the thing: at that point, too, I didn't know how to run, and or you know, like the idea of calling the shots. It was all very new to me, and I didn't sure. have a lot of confidence in myself. But that's beside the point. We get done recording the record. It's called Bob Schneider Lonely Land. I, I don't have a record company, so I just go to a, C, you know, contact a CD manufacturing place, get a thousand CDs printed up, and take two hundred, a box of 200 of them down to Waterloo. Uh, wow. Uh, Waterloo Records. Yeah, And I'm like, hey, I made this record. They'd already been selling this song, sung and played on guitar at the same time, which is the solo record that I'd recorded where I'm just playing guitar. And that one had been selling pretty good. So they knew me. I'm like, hey, I've got this new record. It's called Lonely Land. And I remember telling the owner of Waterloo, I'm like, I think this is going to, I'm pretty happy with this record. Like, I think it, I think it's going to do pretty well it ended up becoming the number one selling record in the history of Waterloo. They've never sold more records than Lonely Land. That includes like dark side of the moon. That includes Adele. Wow. Now the reason that is, is because I only sold it in Waterloo. I didn't sell it at any other record stores. So you could either buy it at my show or buy it at Waterloo. So, and at that time, everybody read the Chronicle and Waterloo had a top 10 list and and it was the top 10 Texas artist. And so I went in there with the Lonely Iron record and it immediately started selling and I went to number 1 and I was number 1 on that list for 3 years. Holy shit. Like it's just, like Willie Nelson would come out with a record and I'd go to number 2, the next week I'd be at number 1. <laughs> I was just always at number 1 with the records. Crazy. So because of that, it started showing up on this weird independent record store chart. And now I'm just living, you know, in my little house. I get a call one day, answer the phone. It's Monty Littman, the head of universal records. It's like, Hey, this is Monty Littman. I'm the president of a record company called universal records. Like, Oh, Hey, how are you doing? He goes, uh, What's going on with this Lonely Land record? I'm like, well, recorded a while back. I've been selling it out of Waterloo Records. He's like, well, if there's anything we can do for you, let me know. This is my number. Okay. Nice talking to you. Great. Bye. Hang up. Get a call about a month later. It's Monty again. How's everything going? Great. Things are good. How's the record? Great. Well, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. No problem. I will (laughs) hang up. I'm not calling in the back. What am I going to call? What am I going to call that fucking president of universal records? I can't even fucking ask a girl out. If I'm, (laughs) if I'm at a club, if I'm at a club and I see a girl, I'm not even going to go up and say hi to her. I'm going to call the fucking president of a goddamn biggest record company in the world. Of course not. Jesus Christ. I have no confidence. So sure enough, a couple weeks go by, Monty Littman again. Hey, dude, quit fucking stalking me, bitch. (laughs) And he's like, hey, man, I've been listening to this song, Metal and Steel. And they were, oh, that's the other thing, too. They were playing it on KGSR a lot. They were playing Metal and Steel a lot on KGSR. And that was also, KGSR was was the local radio station. It's Austin State Limits Radio now. Oh, got it. But at the time, in the early 2000s, late 90s, that was the big station, AAA station is what they called it. And they played mostly like easy listening adult music. But they played a lot of Texas music on there as well. And they were playing, like literally they were playing metal and steel every hour. You'd hear it. If wow. you were listening to that radio station once an hour, they played it. And that was driving the sales at Waterloo. And he's like, man, I've been listening to metal and steel I think we can do something. You want to come to, uh, I guess it was New York to have a meeting. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, I so, anyways, I got a lawyer. We go have the meeting. They want to put out Lonely Land. We sign a contract. Then the head of AR is like, we want you to re record the record. And I'm like, well, I like the record. Why don't you come down? We'll have a listening party. So he, so this guy comes down. We go into my studio. We listen to the record. Me, the A and R guy. I think it's just me and the A and R guy. Maybe my lawyer was there too. And listening, and the reason I brought this whole story up is because you were saying you like listening to the whole record, like you like yeah. the whole thing. Exactly. And when we sat down in the studio and listened to it, we listened to it from beginning to end. We put it on and listened to the whole thing. When you listen to the whole thing, it's kind of its own world. Yeah. It really works. You kind of get lost in the sound of it. Yeah. It becomes, you get used to the sound of it. And then it's its own thing. And after we were done, the guy was like, sure, this sounds great. We'll put it out as is. Now, I shouldn't have done that. I should have re-recorded it. Because the problem with the record is when you listen to just a track of it and you put it next to another track that's on the radio or, you know, it just doesn't sound that great. It sounds fine in and of itself, but when compared to other stuff, it's a little thin, it's a little, you know what I mean? It has its own sound and it's not quite, it just wasn't quite...
0: That's interesting.
1: You know, it sounded fine on the radio, especially "Metal and Steel," which I think maybe was remixed for the radio. But it would have sounded better, I think, had we gone in and you know re-recorded. But I just didn't. I refused to do it, and so you would have had two different versions of the album. There would have been a, a newer version of it, and then the old, and then the old version would have got retired. Man, but I don't know about that. That's a tough. I don't I don't know either. And again, I argued against it. Yeah. And I'm glad so you did. That's what's that's what I get your point
0: though from your perspective. Yeah, I get I get from your perspective, but as a fan, I just love the way it sounds. Even just one track of it uh, cuz that's how I listened to it originally. I mean, I just put on one yeah. song. Okay, that's called cool, and this and and then I was like, "Nope, let's start at the beginning and take it all in." But yeah I don't know I guess that's a that's like your own battle Bob that you're always gonna have you know your own personal before we get to track 12 let's hear a little more about Bob's fan Facebook group and how you can join with founder Monday uh, Monday I want to talk about the the Facebook group here um, you know I don't want to take up too much more of y'all's time so I want to make sure that um, we shout that out and I really just let you talk about it like why you got it started how it's going you know what your favorite part is about it and if people want to join what can they expect fans of bob schneider on facebook is the og one that i started back in 2016. facebook changed all their algorithms and then they want to market things to people who have pages and try to get you to pay for ads and ball- like that's not what this is this is not a business this is a community you know that so we kind of just waited that out for a little while and then they started doing the group pages so that's how the family started and now that's awesome because that page gets a lot more action everybody can do their own posts and interact a lot more it's way cooler than the original thing was in the first place so that's great and thank goodness because this year i started working full-time and i don't really have time to hop in there as often as i used to so everybody's on there it's a 24-hour bob party Track number 12,
1: Better. So, yeah, I don't, again, I don't really know much about Better in terms of having written it. I do know that Carl Thiel's girlfriend at the time sings on it. She's, and. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. So, we record the song, and then after it was recorded, he was like, oh. I think my girlfriend would sound really good singing like this <laughs> sort of refrain better, better. So you hear her on there. and I don't know if that's something I, that was in the original version or something that he came up with, but that's her on there. And I can't think of her name, which really bums me out, but I can't think of anybody's name anymore. So please don't be, if you're listening, don't hate me. I I know your name somewhere. I just can't retrieve it now with my brain. But um but yeah, that was the only that was the thing that that made that song sort of special was her appearance on it. Because it were really you comes cool with that no... or were Yeah, you, yeah. at
0: first like mm, your girlfriend, like
1: no, no, I thought it sounded great. I mean, it was yeah, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's kind of at the end. It's probably again, it's the song, you know, that and Madeline are the songs that I just don't ever play. I probably, I play better more than I play Madeline. But I don't play that one very much either. But I I mean, I used to play a lot in the early 2000s, but that was 20 years ago. Sure. I haven't played it much since
0: then. Look, it's it totally makes sense. Uh, You've written how many songs, again, you know, it's like you can only play so many songs in one set, right? Like, it's a very, such a small slice, like, percentage of your whole catalog. uh, that does have to be quite, you know, frustrating. It's to like, eight. Try it's to about pick, right.
1: Yeah, it's about eighteen songs in a set. So yeah, you've got eighteen songs. Probably four or five of those I play every time: Tarantula, Forty Dogs, Big Blue Sea. Yeah, I kind of play those every time, and so that leaves you the other, you know, maybe thirteen songs to choose from. A lot of those are newer songs. Sure, but then also you know, like Honey Pot, Let the Light In, you know, songs that are. Oh, let the there light were in. There, uh, there were the I kind of the single song. single songs on the what, on what do records. you real
0: quick? Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but like, do you like Let the Light In?
1: I do. I love that song. I. Uh,
0: I, I love dating- that song, Bob. That's the first song I ever heard of you. Like that's how I was introduced to you. Was that song?
1: So that song's got an inter- interesting story. I was dating this girl. or was getting to know her. Oh, I, I hadn't even started dating her. This beautiful actress um, that I'd met out in California. And then we were like FaceTiming each other. Yeah. And talking on the phone. Like starting to have having a bit of a romance, but we hadn't like hooked up or anything. And she told me that she had been in this breakup like a year before and she just couldn't get over like she was just having a hard time getting over it and that's totally where that song and then i wrote that song that week wow and i was like hey i wrote this song check it out it's like pretty much came right out of the conversation that we had wow <laughs> and then wow. we en- then we ended up getting together and sh- this girl was so hey write a song her, so yeah but awesome. again... Yeah, I love that song. Yeah.
0: Um. Yes, I love how it start. Anyway, I don't want to... Uh, and the video's great, too, by the way. um, That's how I took it all in, was the video and the song all, all at once. Um, Great. Um, Okay. Better. Right, we took better. Okay, track number 13. We got two more tracks left. So track number 13, this is 2002. So you're looking into the future for this song.
1: 2002 i wrote in night in 98 and uh i i again i was dating this girl but not i hadn't been dating for very long we were just kind of hooking up a little bit but she was extremely really beautiful and very uh kind of innocent but she tells me this story i meet her and she tells me this story about how she was working at a steak restaurant here in austin and i'm just not going to tell i'm it's no point in telling who who the actor was but she she waits on this actor and he is like hey will you meet me at my hotel after you get off work and she's and she's wow. beautiful and this actor is not that good looking wow. he's, not, he's not like I mean he's he's famous yeah. but not that good looking so he she gets his number like to the hotel room number and then goes over there after she gets off work and then kind of becomes his sex slave for two months the two months that he's in town working on this film maybe six weeks so over chance. there every day, he's like, I want you to, you know, I'm going to be home at 5.30 PM. I want you wearing an apron and no other clothes. And I want you to be on all fours and I'm going to come in and have sex with you when I get there. Like, I'll just, Jesus. Yeah. Just telling me all this stuff. And, and I'm like a young guy. I'm like 30 years old at the time. I've never experienced any of this shit. Like, it's all just blowing my mind. It's like 50 shades of gray. And I'm like, literally, I've got two shades. I've got black and white. No shades (laughs) of gray at all in my fucking notebook. And I'm just like listening to this shit going, holy fuck, dude. This shit is insane. And she's hot, dude. She's so hot. So she tells me about all this weird kind of, not S&M, but submissive man like where the one guy's like dominant and she's submissive and he's just telling her what to do and she's doing it and then i guess at the end of the six weeks he's like hey i want you to come live with me in california or whatever yeah and then leaves town changes his number and she never hears from him again just ghosts her completely
0: yeah he's done that before let's be real for sure. Remember Probably this person is.
1: Yeah. I do want Again, he's still no, no, I, you would not want any trouble. I don't, you know, I don't even like I, to know
0: this stuff to yeah, be yeah. honest. I'm yeah. not going to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's no, po- it doesn't change the story knowing who he is sure. anyway. So, so she tells me all this. And then, so now I'm like, Holy shit. How do I even compete with this? I'm like, uh, how do I compete? With like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, take off your blouse. <laughs> I don't know. Shit, dude know anything so now i'm like going to fucking now i'm going to the fucking book people and like buying the story of o and buying these like sex books to try to go up
0: with the apron on all fours like is it maybe reverse we reverse No, there's no
1: no dude there's no reverse you gotta i'm like trying to learn as much as i can as quickly as i can and Failing, by the way, failing terribly. I'm reading all this stuff. and like, and it's all very alluring. I'm start reading Marquita uh Anne Rice's porn books, the Sleeping Beauty <laughs> series. I'm reading all kinds of crazy shit, dude. And don't know what the fuck to do. Anyways, she eventually meets some other guy and and tells me she's, Can't see me anymore because she's going to see this other guy and i am i'm telling you dude i was heartbroken wow and at the time I'm, i'm i'm on tour with ugly americans i'm doing scabs in austin but then also going on the road with ugly americans at that point scabs and ugly americans were kind of the same band and so i'm in denver colorado at this ramada inn and and those days I would bring like a my recording studio, which was like a Tascam, a Tascam four track, like tape recording machine and a keyboard, a mic, a guitar. And, and so I sat in this room and wrote. And the idea was like, I was so, I'm telling you, dude, I was heartbroken. Like I love, I was in love with this girl and I'm like, man, in four years, I'll be fine. Like in four years, I won't even think about this chick anymore, and so that's where it came from. It's like the years wow. two thousand and two, wow. and and I'm right, It's one of those songs again where I'm just writing it down as fast as I can write it down, record it all in one night. The windows open. The original demo. If you go to my song club, my Patreon song club, you can get the original demo on the song club. You hear like the sirens because this was like a part of Denver where there was a lot of police action, drugs and stuff. You can hear the siren outside. I'm just recording it live as like I'm writing it and then recording a verse, recording another verse, just as soon wrote it all in one night. Wow. Great song. One of my, again, another one of my favorite songs ever. And then of course, 2002 comes and goes. And now people think it's like some autobiographical song, but I wrote it four years before 2002. And, uh, but I love that song. I love the way it turned out. And, I ran into this chick. She moved to uh she moved to another state and I'm on tour. And she contacted me or something. She's like, hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be at your show. And now I'm like married now. I've got a kid. I'm like, I'm over this bitch. <laughs> right? I'm gonna show I'm fucking on tour. Yeah, it's gonna be packed, and it was. There's a big crowd. I fucking play my show. I'm ready to show her pictures of my kid and my wife, and I'm at, I'm at the merch thing afterwards, and I tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's her, and she's holding her own baby, and she's there with this guy, the guy that she dumped me for. She marries, has a kid with, and she's like, Jen Rummy face! no she doesn't say that but <laughs> that's what i felt like dude she was like checkmate yeah fucking piece of shit and i was just like all of my confidence and all of my like oh i've got a kid here's my kid here's my wife i'm like bow, 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 bow. <laughs> i was just like oh shit i'm still still pining <sighs> over this because here's what happens And this happens in all, this is what I've realized about love. By the way, love's just, it's just a trick. It's a trick that your brain's playing on you to get us to procreate and take care of these, to have kids and then to raise them till they're old enough to fend for themselves, which is about three or four. (laughs) And what happens is you get this idea you meet somebody and they remind you somehow of your love that you felt from your mom and dad when you were two or three and it rings a bell and you're like, this is love. This is how I'm, this is how I stay safe. This is how I am fed. This is how I'm clothed. And it, it's like, it solders into that part of your brain, that wiring. And if you get out of that relationship really early on, like within the first two months, and it doesn't play out, then that connection, that hard wiring is just there forever. So you've had relationships in your life that that lasted less than two months where you fell in love with somebody. And even to this day, when you think about it, you're like, Oh, that was the one. That was my true, like, that's the pure, true love thing that you can't ever get over. Because had you stayed in that relationship for another six months or a year or two years or five years, all that shit would have played out and you'd have been like, oh, yeah, this is not the thing that's going to make me happy and safe and feel loved. It's only those ones that get, that that get, that end early like that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Wow. So, anyway, so yeah, so that's where all that came from. Two thousand and two. Again, I love that song and and uh, still play it to this day, and it works fine as sort of a pseudo make believe autobiography kind of thing. <laughs> what a what an absolutely
0: amazing story, to be honest. Wow, that is. Uh, I'm gonna be thinking about that one, Bob. Um Okay I don't know how you top it on this next one Well maybe you can't hear Last track (laughs) Oklahoma So longest song on the album (laughs) I got a good story bro I got a good one (laughs)
1: But back so back in my drinking days I uh I'm out one night and I run into I met at, at this friend of mine's house and I run into Gibby Haynes from the butthole servers and he's he's a famous junkie and I'd never done heroin still uh, I just wasn't a hard drug never done anything never put a needle in my arm or anything like that and I run into him when I at this guy's house and I'm five, six o'clock in the morning. We're both pretty wasted. And he's like, oh, have you ever done heroin? And I'm like, never done it. And he's like, well, here's some. And he puts out a rail of heroin. And so I snort this heroin. And I can't tell any difference between that and how drunk I was. And I mean, I was because I was already drunk. So that party ends shortly thereafter, like within I'm home within an hour after that pass out, go to sleep, wake up the next day, maybe at noon, get up and still, I guess still have this in my system from the night before. And I, at the time I was living with this guy, uh, Dave Schniz Robinson, the drummer for scabs and, uh, and I get, and we he has his drum set up, and I've got a guitar and a mic and stuff. And I start, I'm like, hey man, you want to jam? Like we smoke, we smoke like a a doobie or whatever. And uh start just making up songs, dude. And every song, every idea is great. And I understand finally, like what heroin does, which is it removes. It removes the critic from your brain. Like the part, like, oh, this is dumb or this is stupid or this isn't cool. That's gone, dude, completely. And any idea you have is great. It's like, it's like your brain just saying, oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great the whole time. That could be so dangerous, just, though. I'm just right. No, but that's where you get. That's where you get Nirvana, like all those songs that Nirvana did. Smells like Teen Spirit. You don't have to, Smells like Teen Spirit if you don't have him strung out on heroin. You don't have. Wow. You don't have Tom Waits, Rain Dogs, and Swordfish Trombones and Franks Wilders if if he's not doing heroin. You don't have all this great music. You don't have Abbey Road. You don't have Come Together. You don't have any of those songs that that John Lennon wrote on that record, if you don't have heroin. Wow. And now that's the only time I've ever done it. And if the cops are listening, might not have been heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been anything. Who knows? (laughs) Anyways, I'm writing like, like literally everything I'm coming up with is like, this is great. This is great. This is great. And then I'm like, I start singing this. They came from Oklahoma, said the end of the world was on its way in a Chevy Nova. They came from Oklahoma, which is, I don't know why I was saying Oklahoma because Schniz is from Oklahoma, but I kept saying Oklahoma. And so I was writing that riff and then, uh, and it kind of stuck And am like, I guess I wrote it down and I guess maybe I recorded a little bit of it. I'm not sure. All I know is the next day, wake up. So that day goes. The next day I get up and I start playing these songs that I'd written. They were all good. They were like five songs. They were all amazing. I'm like, hey, let's do those songs again. This song sucks. This song sucks. This song sucks. And the only one that didn't suck so bad was the Oklahoma one. And that's, that's the only one that stuck. But it was weird it it really did i understand now how why that drug works and why people like i don't know if you ever saw that did you, did you see the juice world documentary he's juice a rapper world, no. oh no juice this guy juice world he was a kid young rapper and he was just always be on these um opiate um like pills no i think it's like op like opium laced drinks. Like he would just have opium syrup. The purple, put in. the purple drink. Like yeah. it the purple drink. And he yeah, could yeah. just. So he was always just like completely in that world, that opiate land. And he could just sit there and just rap, and and there were beautiful, wonderful raps. Now he he died, but, but I get it. Like. When you're in that state, nothing's stopping you from accessing your whole brain. Nothing's going, hey, you suck. Everything's like, you're great. You're great. You're oh, that's so good. Oh, how clever. That's so clever. That's so cool. So you're just like, I got my in the wheel with the hand and the hand. Whatever <laughs> whatever you're doing, I can't do it because I'm not on opiates right now. But if I was, <laughs> I'd just like nonstop rap for you. But because I'm not, my brain's like, you suck, dude, you're old, you're white. You can't rap. What the fuck? You suck. So I can't rap. So anyways, that's how that works. That's where that song came from, Oklahoma. And, uh, and yeah, that was the original Lonely Land record. Now... Wow. When Universal came and they said they wanted to put it out, they're like, we should do a Texas version because I'd sold, I don't know, a lot of records just in Texas. They're like, we should put add some extra songs. So we added um King of the World, which was just yeah. a straight demo that I did at home. And then two other like instrumental weird tracks or something that went on there.
0: The World Passes You By and the Grave of Senor Corizo.
1: Yeah, the Grave of Senor Corizo, which was just like a straight-up instrumental thing. And then, yeah, World Passes You By, which was a demo I did at Music Lane that I had laying around. So we just added that at the end just to kind of do a cash grab with with people that had already bought the record So you could re-release
0: it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Re-release it in Texas. And the thing about that record, the reason it sold so much is because People would buy it over and over again as gifts. Like people just every Christmas, people that had bought Lonely Land were buying three or four copies and giving it to their friends because nobody had that record. So if you had friends that were in Michigan or something, you'd buy that record and give it to them. So it sold yeah. quite a few records. Yeah,
0: man. No, I get it. That That's how your fan base, I think, works a lot. People are always talking about, oh, I turned this person on to Bob like converting them like a religion almost you hear that a lot in your well your the fan cool th- groups and stuff
1: the the cool thing and the uncool the like the good and the bad with me is i've always flown like way under the radar especially outside of texas like when i say texas i mean outside of austin outside of austin with the exception of being on austin sea limits once in two thousand and once in two thousand and ten, there's been no exposure whatsoever. Now there, I had a on TV. Very few syncs and films. I did have a little bit of a hit in two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight with Forty Dogs on AAA Radio, which really and ultimately means nothing. Well, but that movie is great. That movie is
0: a cult classic, too. Which So that which movie?
1: sure helps. The uh, 40 Days. Oh, no, is it's... that is 40 Dogs in that? Or is Big Blue Sea in that? Uh, Big Blue Sea's in that. No, 40 Dogs is in that. In 40 Days? In 40 Nights? I'm pretty sure. The one with Josh Hart in it and
0: he does No, I think
1: that, no, that's Big Blue Sea opens that movie. It's Big Blue oh, Sea.
0: okay. Well, then what's 40 Dogs? I thought. Oh, uh, I don't think okay. 40 Dogs is on anything. It's not. I don't think so.
1: I need to. I mean, you would know. Why would I be arguing with I, you? I about don't. This? I. I. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure. So, because of that,
0: I'm a fucking. Man, I've never man. I'm been sorry, like I've
1: never. I've never been in like Rolling Stone magazine. I've never been in Spin. I was never like. On. Like the David Letterman show. I was on Jay Leno's show once when I was dating Sandra Bullock, but only because I was dating Sandra Bullock. And that was before Lonely Land came out. She's like, my boyfriend's a songwriter. I want him on the show. And so she went on one night and I went on the next night as part of the deal. Like she just brokered that deal. She's like, I want him on the show. So oh, I, I, I got to find the, that. I was I've on that show, but that. I wasn't like, I wasn't signed or anything. So because of that, nobody's shoved me in people's face. So when people come across what I do, they really do feel like they've discovered something like they've discovered the, this treasure. Yeah. And that, and, and that I'm theirs. Like they own this thing because nobody else knows about it. And there's a real loyalty and a real, uh, passion that these people have, which I love, which is great. And, um, and I think because of my podcasts and because of the live streams during the pandemic, it, that's also kind of reinforced that relationship that I have with these fans. Sure. Um, so, so I do have a very passionate, very loyal fan base. They'll come see 20, 30, hundred shows, which is amazing. But I am also constantly changing. If they've, been to 30 shows there were 30 different shows those aren't the same shows sure but there are people that played the same show for 20 years same set of songs i'm not saying who they are (laughs) but it's kind of like almost everybody yeah kind of like almost everybody uh except for you know at least people that do what i do which singer songwriter they're kind of doing the same songs and I'm sure my fans would love nothing more than for me to just come on stage and play mostly Lonely Land with a couple other songs thrown in. They would love that, but that's not what I do. I'm going to be playing the songs I wrote this week, this month, this year. I mean, I'm playing all the songs for my new album now that hasn't been released. Once that album's released, I probably will stop playing those songs. Once people know them and get used to them and they're like, oh, I'll play that song. Like, You're like, sorry, done, done. I'm playing the new ones from the next record. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have
0: to time travel. Uh, that, hey, that just means you got to get in on the ground floor, right? And follow you uh, before the albums ever come out or even know about the albums. Do well, people know I mean, that you have this album coming out?
1: No. Yeah. I mean, they, I may have mentioned it a couple times, but yeah, it's, it's coming out soon. And the other thing too, like, I, you know, I have this Patreon, the Song Club. Uh, if you go to Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com backslash Bob Schneider, you can join. And if you're part of that, you get all the the songs I write every every month. I'm I'm writing these demos, and I've gotten pretty good at recording these songs. So you get all those songs every month. So you, if you do want to keep kind of in sync with what I'm doing, that's the best way to do it. And you also get the new record. Those the Patreon people get the new record at least a month before it's ever released to the oh wow wow and that's that's free that's that's part of their that's just being part of patreon they just get it unless you do these other creative
0: things that add to your music right the people that are fans right your art your poetry just your live stream just like your personality man like you know i've always said probably maybe not to you but you could have definitely been a stand-up comedian, like, by far. That's what makes your shows also enticing along with the songs, right? It's like, it's just the juice in between that you bring. Uh, that came out oddly sexual, and I didn't mean it that way. Uh, but, you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, man, You and you got this graphic novel, and, you know, it's like you're always, you have these outlets, and your fans get to absorb it all, which is
1: great. I mean ultimately my job is to entertain people, you know. That's really what my job is. When I get on stage, uh you know, I you know, like doing this, I forget to be entertaining. So, you know, I'll start telling these stories, it might get a little long winded or whatever. But when I'm on stage, I'm not forgetting what my job is. When I'm on stage, it's like make people laugh, make people dance, make people forget about their worries and and because life, dude. It's life, dude. Life yeah. is fucking no joke. So yeah. when people come see me, my job is to have them forget their cares. Sure. And if that takes saying something audacious, I'll do it. But I really, ultimately, I want people to laugh. I want them to maybe cry. I want them to reminisce. I want them to, you know, feel something, feel some love, feel some, I don't know, just. What just again you know, forget that we're all gonna die soon. (laughs) Basically, that's my job is to keep people from from, that's why, even though I do write some songs about death, like you don't want to do too many songs about death. (laughs) I realized that a while back. You're the guy on
0: the Titanic as it's going
1: down, (laughs) still playing the violin, right? Like that's funny. no dude if i no, fuck that i'm i'm fucking got a <laughs> wig i'm i had a wig on i'm in the <laughs> fucking, i'm in the life wrap. fuck that dude
0: pushing I'm the like, kids out of the way yeah <laughs> hello
1: it's me fucking shaving my beard with a fucking shard of broken glass <laughs> trying to fucking pass as a woman
0: oh women no, and dude. children that's me
1: yeah oh man fuck, that's yeah, hilarious dude. i'm a coward I could see
0: if you were with Kate Winslet on the thing. you're bitch, you're pushing her off to get on the board.
1: (laughs) No, here's what I'm doing, dude. If all that shit started going down on the Titanic, I'm finding a firearm and I'm ending my life. (laughs) I'm not fucking drowning.
0: I I agree. Drowning
1: sounds horrific. That sounds. I'm killing myself. Like I'm like, where's the fentanyl? (laughs) Like, there's got to be some fentanyl in this ship this podcast is just like amazing dude you know what's weird about all of it as fun as it was and i mean it was fun dude jerry seinfeld russell crowe right after he did gladiator was you know just all these wow dennis quaid like all these people were just regulars at the at the at Antone's for those Scabs gigs, really?
0: Holy shit,
1: man! Oh yeah, there were. It was wow. like the place to be, like Kid Rock. Like if you cool. were in town, ta- if you were in town on a Tuesday, you were. Renee Zellweger. I mean, there's a list of people. You were just that's where you would go. It's like what's to what's to do in Austin? Oh, you got to go to see the Scabs at Anton's on Tuesday. Right? Yeah. Wow, man. And as fun as all that time was, and it was fun. And it was great. And Austin was cool, like different back then than it is now. I still like, I like my life so much better now than I did back then. Now, do I wish I was in that 32-year-old body of mine back now? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm in my late, late 30s now like late like like the the postman has died i don't miss i it's weird i don't miss i don't miss it i i like my life now more so i don't know if that's progress or what but i do i do less i think that maybe hopefully i think it's a success for me in life is like as you get older you just do less and less of the things you don't want to do yeah exactly and uh i just hardly ever do anything i don't want to do anymore you've been listening to the lone star play podcast with your host patrick scott armstrong for more info go to lonestarplate.show